0: Before we kick this thing off, we go to one of my favorite parts of the year, and that is before we get to watch any movie, we have to do our movie trivia, because some of you guys are insane in how you know movies, so here we go, first one, shout it out if you know the actor, director, or movie that we have. Number one, throw that one up there for me, Spielberg, there we go, we had one from the back, Steven Spielberg, little known fact, in 2002, he went back to college to finish his film degree. Come on, somebody. Like over 30 years uh, overdue, so he went back to finish it. And for his final thesis, he had to turn in a student-made film. You know what he turned in? Schindler's List, everybody. That's what he turned <laughs> Can you imagine? You go to get your film degree, and like sitting next to you is Steve. That's like you go to get a basketball degree, and LeBron is like in the chair next to you. That is what, like wrecking the curve, just ruining it. All right, second one. Throw that one up there for me. Name the movie. Saving Private Ryan. Here we go. All right. We know that we're on a Spielberg kick, right? You kind of get this idea. Little known fact, all of the actors in Saving Private Ryan were made to go through boot camp, training camp, before they could film the movie. All of them except Matt Damon. Because the director decided he wanted all of the other actors to develop a sense of disdain and hatred for Matt Damon's character. And so when they, all the actors had to go through boot camp, except for him, he got to arrive on his plane to just have... Because that sounds like a really healthy work environment to me. I don't know about you, but that just sounds... All right, next one. Name the movie. Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur, okay. Come on, you guys. You understand this one. Originally, the actor to play Ben-Hur was originally planned to be Robert Redford. But he turned it down and he said, and I quote, I don't have the legs for a miniskirt. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that's a quote. That's a direct... I mean, you can be that honest about you? You got puffing up your resume. This guy was that right, Next one. Name that movie. Here we go. Famous movie. Oh. Top Gun, 1986, right? This is Tom Cruise. Well, they made a sequel to this last year. If you were hiding under a rock, you missed it. Top Gun, Maverick. There we go. Somebody got it. In Maverick, you want to know a movie qu- or fact about it? Uh, all of the planes they fly in are not CGI. The actors actually rode in the F-18s that they film in the movie. Tom Cruise wouldn't do the sequel unless they did it in real planes. And so the fear you see in the actor's eyes is real, everybody. They, they are being touted around by F-18 pilots at incredible speeds. And so they are incredibly afraid. So come on. I thought, what better way to kick off at the movies 2023 than Top Gun Maverick? What is it?
1: What? We've been ordered to stand down, the scrap in the program. They say we fell short. The contract threshold is Mach 10. Says who? Admiral Kane.
2: He's on
3: his way to kill the test and shot us down personally.
2: Well, he isn't here yet. Well, Mach 10, let's get Mach 10.
1: Now remember, the contract threshold is Mach 10, not 10.1, not 10.2, Mach 10. That should keep the program alive. I don't like that
2: look, man. It's the only one I got. Darkstar, requesting an Dark Star, the runway and skies are
0: yours.
1: Rear Admiral Chester Kane. Maverick? Kane just pulled up to the gate.
2: Darkstar is ready for takeoff.
1: Kane is asking ordering ordering that we bring her down. and
2: Is that
1: Mach seven pushing eight? Flight data. Receiving data is good.
0: Uh. <laughs> we waited 36 years for a sequel to the original top gun so we had to start off with maverick this sunday 1986 the iconic top gun that was peak tom cruise right this is before mission impossible uh, before a few good men tom cruise the story of pete mitchell's code name maverick call sign pilot This is the past one. They came out with a sequel because our culture, I think, craves sequels nowadays. That just seems to be what we do, right? We crave nostalgia. We have to see sequels to all of our favorite things. This is one of the few they did not ruin, all right? They did not wreck the original. They did it justice in the second one that came out. But this takes place 30 years later. This sequel that they come in, 30 years later, 36 years later in real life. Have you seen some of the stars of the original 36 years later? I thought we would show you some of the actors and actresses then and now, everybody, to show you that even in Hollywood, time comes to us all. Here's the first one, Anthony Edwards. This is Goose, then and now, week one. Goose got a little bit cooked. The next one, all right, here we go. Val Kilmer, then and now, Iceman. Kelly McGillis, then And now, my wife told me no jokes. Let's move on. Next one. Tim Robbins. Then and now. Tom Skerritt. Then and now. Even in Hollywood, time comes to us all. Except for one person. Tom Cruise. Somehow the biggest movie actor in the world channeled the fountain of youth and decided to never get old. Here we go. Then and now. Come on, somebody. That is not... Real, everybody. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Some of like Ricky Bobby. You're like, help me, Tom Cruise. Help me look younger. Come on, somebody. Just use your magic to do it. I don't know what Tom Cruise does. He did find the lost fountain of youth in those then and now. So when our movie opens, though, Maverick has pushed the boundaries yet again. He has broken the rules yet again. He doesn't listen to authority then (laughs) yet again. He has flaunted every legal, every rule, everything. He has wasted millions of Pentagon money and decided to go his own way. So this should be the end of his career. But where would the fun in that be?
3: 30 plus years of service. years of service. Combat medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Distinguished. 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 Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. And despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. If not a senator. Yet here you are. Captain. Why is that?
2: It's one of life's mysteries, sir. This isn't a
3: joke. I asked you a question. I'm where I belong, sir. Well, the Navy doesn't see it that way. All you did was buy some time for those men out there. The future is coming, and you're not in it. Escort this man off the base. Take him to his quarters. Wait with him while he packs his gear. I want him on the road to North Island within the hour. North Island, sir. Call came in with impeccable timing. It it galls me to say it, but for reasons known only to the Almighty and your guardian angel, you've been called back to Top Gun, sir. You are dismissed, Captain. The end is inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction.
2: Maybe so, sir.
0: Maybe so, sir. Not today. There's so many one-liners in this movie uh, that you could come. Some of you guys are going to be at lunch today, and your spouse is going to say, you know, it'd probably be healthier to skip the fried Oreos and go home without dessert. And you are going to say, maybe so, sir. (laughs) But not today. Come on, somebody. Okay, on a serious note, I think... And honestly, I believe with all my heart that God has a message for you this morning. We do these things differently in November without the movies. We love it so much. I've got my popcorn up here. I got my drink, everything. But in the midst of all of this, I promise you, God has a message for you. It may look a little different than you expect. It may be a little bit different than you expect. Set the context. The Navy has called Maverick back to Top Gun. But I promise you, it's a movie. God has called us to a higher assignment verse I want to work out of today is out of second Timothy. It says that God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his purpose. He says, for reasons passing my understanding, you've been called back to top gun for reasons passing my understanding. We have been called by God to be a part of his purpose. I promise you, we would be the last people in the world that I would call. I would be last on the list to be a part of this thing. But for reasons passing understanding, God has called us to something higher has called us to a purpose, not because of we are good, not because of anything we have done, but because of his goodness and his grace. Christ died for us, not because you are good, because he is. And so he's called us to make a difference in the lives of others. Now, how are we going to do that? You're calling your mission. The answer to that question might surprise you because it may be very different than what you expect.
3: Your reputation precedes you. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you, sir.
1: Wasn't a compliment.
2: Must admit I wasn't expecting an invitation back.
1: They're called orders, Maverick. You two have something in common. Cyclone here was first in his class back in 88. Actually, sir,
2: I finished second. Just want to manage expectations.
1: The target is an unsanctioned uranium enrichment plant. The Pentagon has tasked us with assembling a strike team and taking it out before it becomes fully operational. The plant sits in an underground bunker at the end of this valley. Said valley is GPS jammed and defended by an extensive surface-to-air missile array, serving a limited number of fifth-generation fighters, even a few old F-14s. Seems like we're not the only ones holding on to old relics. What's your read, Captain? Well,
2: sir, uh, normally this would be a cakewalk for the f-35 stealth but gps jamming negates that Uh, surface air threat necessitates a low level laser guided strike tailor made for the f-18 i figure two precision bombs minimum makes it four aircraft flying in pairs Will you survive that it's a dogfight all
1: the way home can it be done or not
2: how soon before the plant becomes operational
1: three weeks maybe less
2: well, it's been a while since I've flown an F-18, and I'm not sure who I trust to fly the other three, but
1: I'll find a way to make it work. I think you misunderstand, Captain. Sir? We don't want you to fly it. We want you to teach it.
2: Teach, sir? With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher.
3: You were a Top Gun instructor before. That was almost 30 years ago. I lasted two
1: months.
2: It's not where I belong.
1: Well, then let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. In fact, you aren't even on a list. You were here at the request of Admiral Kazanski, and he seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. You don't have to take this job. But let me be clear. This will be your last post, Captain. You fly for Top Gun, or you don't fly for the Navy ever again.
0: What if God's calling looks different than you thought it would? What do you do when what you're being asked to do or what you find yourself doing is different than you thought it might be? Because the first thing I want you to see as a believer is God has chosen you, called you, empowered you to teach. And your response may be like Mavericks in the movie. I don't teach. That's not what I do. It's not what I've called. I'm not a teacher. It may not be what you're doing right now, but it is what God has called you to do. Jesus gave the last words he spoke on this earth before he went to heaven in Matthew 28. We call it the Great Commission. It's given to every believer. It's a command of God and what we're called to do in our lives. And he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So if you're a follower of Christ, God is calling you to teach. Again, it may not be what you're doing right now, and you may not be aware of your calling to do it, but it doesn't change the fact that God has called you. And truthfully, you probably won't feel ready to do it at any point in your life. You may have counted yourself out. Others may have counted you out. They may not believe in you. You might not believe in yourself, but it doesn't negate the fact that God is calling you to it, that God has a calling on your life. So Maverick has a lot to consider And he finally decides to accept the position to teach. As a teacher or a mentor, where do you start in a broken and corrupt world? Where do you start in a confused generation? Where do you start to mentor or to teach others? Well, we've all made mistakes. We've all seen the mistakes. We might say like that, our reputation precedes us in the things that we have gotten wrong and realize those pitfalls. So that could be a place to start that we teach others about what may cause harm or traps the enemy might set for their lives. We teach our kids about the things that we went through. We teach the ones around us. And we begin to mentor. It's what God has called us to do. The consequences, the dangers, the temptations. In fact, the Hebrew writer wrote in chapter 3, watch this. He said, warn each other every day. While it is still today, so that none of you are deceived by sin or hardened against God. We are called to teach others. Maybe from our experience or our reputation or the things that we got wrong. But we're called to teach to know the mistakes that we have made. And help others avoid the traps of the enemy and prepare for the battle ahead. Phase one of the mission will be a...
2: Phase one of the mission will be a low-level ingress attacking in two plane teams. You'll fly along this narrow canyon to your target. Radar guided surface to air missiles defend the area. These SAMs are lethal. But they were designed to protect the skies above, not the canyon below. That's because the enemy knows no one is insane enough to try and fly below them. That's exactly what I'm gonna train you to do. On the day, your altitude will be 100 feet, maximum. You exceed this altitude, radar will spot you, and you're dead. Your airspeed will be 660 knots, minimum. Time to target, two and a half minutes. That's because fifth generation fighters wait at an airbase nearby. And a head-to-head with these planes and your F-18s, you're dead. That's why you need to get in, hit your target, and be gone before these planes even have a chance of catching you. This makes time your greatest adversary. You'll fly a route in your nav system that simulates the canyon. The faster you navigate this canyon, the harder it will be to stay under the radar of these enemy Sams. The tighter the turns, the more intensely the force of gravity on your body multiplies, compressing your lungs, forcing the blood from your brain, impairing your judgment and reaction time. So for today's lesson, we're going to take it easy on you. Max ceiling 300 feet, time to target 3 minutes. Good luck. The target is 1 minute 30. We are 2 seconds behind. Increase to 380 knots. We gotta move, coyote. Copy. Increase the in speed. Why are they dead?
0: We broke the 300-foot ceiling. Miss Sam took us out.
2: No. Why are they dead? I slowed down and I didn't give her a warning. It's my fault. Was there a reason you didn't communicate with your team? I was focusing on... The one the- that their family will accept at the funeral. None, sir. Why didn't you anticipate the turn? You were briefed on the terrain. Don't tell me. Tell it to his family.
0: you notice Maverick is addressing uh, pairs of pilots in the briefing there at a time. It's because this group that he's teaching are broken into pairs. You have the lead pilot and you have... The wingman. I want to talk about the wingman for just a second. Now, this is not like you go out with your buddy who has no game and you're trying to talk him up to other people. All right. That is not the wingman in aviation, in the air. The wingman is literally the pilot flying at the side or the back of the lead pilot to provide protection and support. And I was thinking about this concept, you know, in the body of Christ, one of the greatest callings we have for our brothers and sisters is to be a wingman. Outside of the leading aircraft in this formation, this, a wingman is more than a friend. A wingman is who has your back in a dogfight. It's who's the one that's actually protecting when things go south. The one that's in it with you to the end. And so, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to be wingmen. Fathers and mothers, you are called to be wingmen for your children. We are called to do that. If we're called to teach, in that same vein, we are also called to protect and to serve. I want to get this in us today, that if we're called as Christians to teach others and to reach them with the love of Christ, we are also called to give our lives for others. Instead of always saying, well, who is God going to bring into my life to make my destiny come true? Who is God going to bring into my path to propel me to my thing? We should start asking, who can I encourage? Who can I teach? Who can I serve? Who can I love with the love that's been given me? Christ has saved us and redeemed us so that we can show that same love to others. If we're called to teach, we're also called to serve. We need to start asking, who can I encourage? Even Jesus said, I. SHOW I can't. Damn it, SHOW DOWN! I can't stay on the course! No, nah, you're gonna hit the wall! Watch out, watch out,
3: watch
2: out! What happened? Well, I flew as fast as I could. And you put your team in danger, and your wingman's dead. I couldn't keep up. No, we're 20 seconds behind and dropping! We're fine. Speed is good. Increase to 500 knots. Negative Yale, hold your speed. Rooster, we're late. We're alive. We'll make up time in the straightaway. We are not gonna make it! Just trust me. Maintain your speed. We can make it. Why are you dead? Your team leader up there. Why are you... Why is your team dead? Sir, he's the only one who made it to the target. A minute late. He gave enemy aircraft time to shoot him down. He is dead. You don't know that. You're not flying fast enough. You don't have a second to waste. We made it to the target. And superior enemy aircraft intercepted you on your way out. Then it's a dogfight. Against fifth generation fighters. Yeah, we'd still have a chance. In an F 18. It's not the plane, sir, it's the pilot. Exactly.
0: You know, Jesus said, I came to the earth to serve others, not to be served, and to give my life as a ransom for many. We're called to serve. We're called to teach. We're called to serve. You know, I was thinking on this idea of a wingman this weekend. And I want to introduce you briefly to a group of guys who understood this assignment. there's no movie made about them. We don't even know their names. They don't have call signs. But in fact, they understood what it meant to be a wingman. And we know what they did. Mark 2, it says, their story is given. Again, no names, no call signs, no anything. But it says that when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so they decided, this is our chance to see him. And so they crowded the house where he was in such large numbers. There was no room, not even outside the door. And he started to preach the word to them. And so they crammed into this house, all the way out the door, on the lawn, they're everywhere. And so some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd. So they made an opening in the roof above him by digging through it. And then they lowered the man on a mat just to put him in front of Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. And he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And the religious people lost their minds. They saw what Jesus had done. They all started to mutter that he could say this to this man, the people who were crammed into the house to hear Jesus speak with authority, to hear Jesus speak and to teach them the word. And suddenly Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And they start to mutter. You ever heard religious people mutter? Anybody ever? Nobody? Maybe you are the religious person muttering. I don't know. Here we go. But he says, son, you're he forgives his sins and they start to mutter about him. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're saying. And so he looks at them and he says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, pick up your mat and walk out of here? And he says, to show you, I'm going to show you that I can say both. He goes on, he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, picked up the mat in full view of them all and walked out of that house, crammed to the t- I can just imagine, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, I got to get there. I get my mat. He walks right through that crowd and shows them. listen, this moment, this moment, I want to look at the guys that maybe don't get remembered in the moment. Because this is a popular time in Jesus' ministry. This is when everybody wants to hear Him. Everybody wants to hear the authority. Everybody wants to see the healings. Everybody wants to be around Him. So they cram the house. And here comes this guy, paralyzed to see Jesus. He's heard about Him. Can you imagine the discouragement when he gets there? And he can't even get in. This is worse than a Taylor Swift concert. Come on, somebody. Like, he can't even like look through. He just can't get close. But he's heard the chatter about Jesus who heals, Jesus who speaks with authority, Jesus who walks in this ministry, Jesus, and he gets there and he can't see him. He finds the multitude between himself and Jesus. And he thinks there's no way in. But there's four guys, four wingmen he's got who are like, nah, it's happening today. Like this is going to happen. This thing is we're going to get you to Jesus. And I just thought about this, that I am so thankful that when I go through seasons of difficulty, When there are seasons in my life of depression or seasons of anxiety or seasons of hopelessness, I've got people in my corner that can say, hey, I've been through that before. Or, hey, I can cover you in that. Or, hey, I understand what that is. Or, hey, I might not understand at all, but I'm with you. Hey, you might be in the battle. You might be in a fight. They're not going to sugarcoat it. Hey, you are in a fight, but you're not in a fight alone. I am so thankful for people that God has brought in my life. That is what the body of Christ should be. They were saying, who can I encourage? Who can I protect? Who are you called to protect? Who are you called to be a wingman to? Who are you called to serve?
2: That's my wingman. The mission is less than three weeks away. My kid's not ready. He doesn't want what I have to give. Us, please. Don't ask me to send someone else to die. Please, don't... Don't ask me to send him. Send me. I don't know how. I'm not a teacher. I'm a fighter pilot. Naval aviator. It's not what I am who I am how do I teach that if I send him on this mission he might never come home and if I don't send him he'll never forgive me either way they lose him forever. <sighs> I know, I know. <sighs> the Navy needs Maverick. The kid needs needs maverick. That's why I fought for you. That's why you're still here.
0: Well the navy needs Maverick. The kid needs maverick. The body of Christ needs you. Your family, somebody needs you, a friend needs you. Who are you called to serve? Who are you called to protect, to be a wingman? Christ has redeemed you so that you would find others to show his love to. That we would be in the fight. So how do you teach? Well, sometimes you teach with words. And many times, I would say most of the time, you teach by your example. Titus 2 says, you yourself must be an example. By doing good works of every kind, let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. He said, you can use words all you want. What you do, your life is the example that you set to others. Teach the truth so your teaching can't be criticized. And those who openly oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. How do you become a wingman? Well, like those four guys, selfless, serving, lifting. You ever lifted anything? They carried this guy to Jesus. You ever move furniture with anybody? You ever been in that situation where, like, you're the only one lifting and everybody else just kind of, like, adding, like, a little hand here or there? They're like, oh, watch the doorway? And you're like, put your hands on this thing and lift. And you're, like, in the corner. Like, you got. You ever had that one friend that shows up and they show up and they just, like, kind of, like, guide and direct and then they eat the pizza at the end? Come on, somebody. You ever been, like, yeah, everybody. So <laughs> you ever think, somebody like, I have no idea. I've never seen this. But I'm late to every time we move furniture. I just don't know what it is. And you're over there breathing like Darth Vader, like, oh, I'm not, you're about to die. And they're just, it's a whole thing. I just got a little, it's my thing. But yeah, you know these four guys aren't like, well, I'm lifting more than him and I'm carrying. And why isn't Jesus calling my name? Why didn't he look up and say, oh, great, Ben, you're the one lifting this thing. Or, oh, great, why am I not mentioning it? Nothing like that. They're just like, we're going to do whatever we need to do to get this guy to Jesus. How do you be a servant? How do you be a wingman to somebody? Starts with humility. Starts with serving. What's holding you back? I want to talk about this in just a moment, but what's holding you? It's time to let go. If there's something that's keeping you, when you start teaching and you start serving, you will face opposition. And you may be surprised at the intensity of your assignment.
1: Uranium enrichment plant that is your target will be operational earlier than expected. Raw uranium will be delivered to the plant in 10 days time. As a result, your mission has been moved up one week in order to avoid contaminating the target valley with radiation. Sir, no one here has successfully flown a low-level course. Nevertheless, you've been ordered to move on. Captain. As you know, the plant rests between two mountains. On
2: final approach, you'll invert directly into a steep dive. This allows you to maintain the lowest possible altitude and the only possible attack angle. The first pair will breach the reactor by dropping a laser-guided bomb on an exposed ventilation hatch. This will create an opening for the second pair. If either team misses the target... That's a miss! The mission is a failure. Egress is a steep IG climb out to avoid hitting this mountain. A steep climb at that speed? You're pulling at least Gs. Nine minimum. The stress limit of the F-18's airframe is 7.5. That's the accepted limit. To survive this mission, you'll pull beyond that, even if it means bending your airframe. You'll be pulling so hard, you'll weigh close to 2,000 pounds, your skull crushing your spine, your lungs imploding like an elephant sitting on your chest, fighting with everything you have just to keep from blacking out. And this is where you'll be at your most vulnerable. This is Coffin' Corner. Assuming you avoid crashing into this mountain, you'll climb straight up into enemy radar while losing all of your airspeed. Within seconds, you'll be fired upon by enemy Sam's. You've all faced sustained G's before, but this... This is going to take you and your aircraft to the breaking point.
0: Sir, is this even achievable?
2: The answer to that question will come down to the pilot in the box.
0: If you wonder if your achievement or assignment is even achievable, it comes down to the pilot in the box. We might say it comes down to the believer in the battle. As Maverick works to prepare his team, the Navy moves the date of the mission up by one week earlier than expected, and the Admiral delivers a crushing blow to Maverick's mission.
1: Take some time. some time. Whatever you need.
2: I appreciate that, sir, but there is no time the mission. I'll be taking over the training from here. Sir? We both know you didn't
3: want this job, Captain. Sir, they're not ready. Well, it was your job to get them ready. Sir, they have to believe
2: that this mission
3: can be flown. And all you've managed to do is teach them that it can't. Sir. You're grounded, Captain. Permanently.
1: Sir. That is all.
0: You know, when God calls you, no man can stop you. So what do you do when your back is up against the wall? What do you do when someone counts you out because of your past? You know you're called to teach, to mentor. You know you're called to serve. But the enemy tries to bring up who you used to be. Who do you think you are to protect someone else? Who do you think you are to encourage or raise those kids? Who do you think you are to be a teacher or a mentor? Look who you used to be. What do you do when those things begin to be brought up? Or you're told you're too young to lead or you're too old to make a difference. Or you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not strong enough, you're not rich enough, you're not eloquent enough, you're not whatever it is. What do you do when your gift is trying to be belittled or your calling is trying to be discounted? Well, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. But watch what he tells him, but be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth or because you're too old or because you're not rich enough, or because you're not smart enough, or because maybe you failed or you've fallen in the past. What do you do? You set an example in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. someone tries to belittle or to count out your gifts, sometimes you just need to inspire others about what exactly is possible. And every now and then, you just got to show them how it's done.
1: What's that?
2: Maverick to range control, entering point alpha. Confirm green range. Uh, Maverick range control, Uh, green range is confirmed. I don't see an event scheduled for you, sir. Well, I'm going anyway. Nice. Setting time to target, 2 minutes, 15 seconds.
1: 2.15, that's impossible.
2: File attack point, Maverick's inbound.
0: breathe. (laughs) Sometimes you have to set an example and just show them how it's done. Come on, somebody to catch you up in the plot of the movie. The training stage is over. It's finished. The real battle has begun. And when one of the pilots goes down, Mav, of course, is called to go into the fight. He's got to engage the mission, showing that the teacher not only trains and inspires the wingman, not only serves and protects, but the soldier Stays engaged in the battle. So my question for you is who? Who are you called to teach? Who are you called to serve? Who are you called to inspire? Because remember what scripture says. God has saved you to a holy life. Not because of anything that we've done. But because of his own purpose and grace. Is something in your past holding you back? It's time to let go. If someone trying to belittle your gift? It's time to lead by example. If someone's struggling in your life, it's time to serve and be a wingman. It's time to be an example because you are a believer in the battle. <laughs>
3: What?
2: Taking a shot. Out of missiles. Switching to guns. Come on, man. Come on. You got him, man. It's not over yet. One last chance. You can do this. Oh,
1: Alright,
2: I won't tell you that.
0: Christ we're called to teach we're called to serve we're called to stay in the fight bow your heads with me as we pray today father I just thank you that you are calling your people your church to go into all the world and to teach your truth to make disciples to serve others in love and to stay committed to fight for the kingdom you know as we're talking today some of you might be thinking I am a follower of Jesus but I'm not really teaching or serving I'm not actively in the fight. I'm not doing it. I want to pray for you today before we go. Because you might be sitting on the sideline right now. You might not be in the battle. But I promise you, regardless of that, God has a calling for your life. He has someone for you to mentor and to teach. He has someone for you to serve and to protect. And he has a battle for you to fight. That he has a calling on your life a mission for you. It's time to be an example to obey his word, to use your giftings and your callings and your experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. Others of you are like, I'm not serving or teaching, but honestly, I'm not even a follower of Christ to begin with. Listen, I don't know where it is that you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you and I were to sit down and talk and I just asked you Where you are in your relationship with God, you might say, well, I'm probably about as far from him as I have ever been. Or you might say with a lot of people, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying not to do bad. I'm trying to maybe help some people. But you know, there's something missing. You know what that is? God put eternity on the inside of every single one of us that we would look for him. And maybe you can't put a name to it, but you understand something is missing. The problem is it's the things that we've done, the mistakes we've made. We call it sin. It's what separates us from God. What comes in between us and him. But here's the most amazing news I can possibly give you. And that is even as far as we are from him, even as far as you think you have run and as many things as you think you have done. I don't care what it is, where it is you found yourself. Here's the most amazing thing I could possibly tell you is that God still loves you. That he still wants you. That he still has a purpose and a plan for your life. That it's never too late to be who you could have been. And that even while we were lost in sin, even as we actively tried, it did not say that we were just off and making mistakes. Even as we actively were at war with God, even while we were sinners, God still loved us enough that Christ died for us. That God sent his son, Jesus, lived a perfect life and died in our place. He didn't die for his own sin because he didn't commit any sin. He died in our place to redeem us. That even while we were sinners, Christ died for us, that God sent his son to die and then he raised him to life so that anyone, including you, anyone, including you could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And so right now you have an opportunity, a chance. If you want to leave the old life behind, you want to be forgiven, you want to commit your life to him right now, you have a chance. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've run right now. You can make a decision. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not making you raise your hand. I'm not looking to embarrass you in front of your friends or your family. That's not what this is about. This is about you making a decision right now. And Listen, I don't know what happens when you walk out of these doors. I don't know what happens when you shut the stream off. I don't know what happens next. But I know right now you have a chance to make a decision for Jesus. And so right now we're going to pray with you. And our church prays this prayer. Nobody prays alone. But you say, that's me. I want to change right now. I want to accept forgiveness right now. I want to eternity secure right now. Pray this prayer with us. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my mistakes, of all my sin. I surrender. I believe you died on a cross. And I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's church said, Amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God praise for what He's done today?